Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Hey everybody, welcome to Ruined. My name is Hallie. And I'm Allison. And as you've been learning this month, nature is spooky. It's so scary. Have you learned? Maybe that will teach you some respect, huh? Yes. Yes. I'm just going to get your ass. Um, we, yes, that's our, but that is the theme of our, of our month. We are going to yes. continue today. Spring. <laughs> Spring is sprung and the earth is out to destroy us. And yep. doesn't the earth have a point? I guess that's sort of the, the I mean, moral of many of these kinds of movies. is like, well, earth- that's a little bit of your fault, isn't it? Is not wrong. Right. To Captain want to Planet should have just been kicking those kids' asses, you know? Yeah, he'd be like, come on, stop drinking out plastic cups, you dumbasses. <laughs> just yeah. slapping that monkey across the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, we wanted to open up with an, a reader email, which we always appreciate. Um, yes. Any of your questions and um, interesting, spooky, or scientific facts. So we really yes. appreciate that. We have a, a great one um, from Shauna J. Thank you so much for writing in. And it's about a element of the Wicker Man, which we did earlier this month. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't listened to that, please do that. And uh, Shauna says, you mentioned a candle made of a human hand in the Wicker Man. And I just wanted to share that this object, known as a hand of glory, has a lot of lore associated with. Some people believe them to have magical powers, such as opening any lock or the ability to paralyze huh. victims. And I love a magical item with specific applications. And those are two very specific and seemingly unrelated ones. Yeah, right. Those two things have, I think, nothing to do with each other. Um, Yeah, rarely. And so according to Wikipedia, which you also sent a link, thank you, Shauna, a hand of glory is the dried and pickled hand of a hanged man, often specified as being the left hand, a.k.a. the sinister hand, or Mm. if the person was hanged for murder, the hand that, quote, did the deed. Ooh. But what if he had both hands on an axe? That's true. And they chopped somebody up. That's You're getting two hands of glory for the price of one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, old European beliefs attributed great powers to the hand of glory combined with a candle made from fat from a corpse of the same malefactor who died on the gallows. The candle so made, lighted, and placed as if a candlestick into the hand of glory would be rendered motionless all persons to whom it was presented. So that was what was happening in the Wicker Man. They lit the okay. the hand of glory, thinking this is gonna he's gonna be asleep. He's not gonna get back up and, and bust up our festivities. Right. Of course, he immediately knocks it over because he's not asleep yet and sees right. it is a human hand. This is one of those things where I guess, like as a Catholic, we had all these like relics and runes mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, it's like a saint's head, and that's. Cool, but also very gross and awful. Very yeah. gross, very awful. And especially what we know about the legal system, I presumably in medieval times as well as yeah. America today, you just got to think a lot of these categories were just somebody who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. That yeah. people were like, ah, maybe it's a witch or we're just going to kill this person. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's probably a lady a lot of the time. Yeah, so then like, somebody, she did something wrong. I don't know, she's a bitch and I'm sure we could use her hand for magic. Um, yeah. So I don't know, there's something... 
extra creepy about using a human body part for magic. But you know what? I agree. If it works, it works. So again, yeah. if you've used a hand of glory to paralyze to, somebody or open a lock, right? Or in open a lock. Know. Yeah, we'd love to know. Right at that point, it's like get a key. You know, like it seems like right. you're you're doing a little too much. Yeah. This movie we are doing this week is the most unnatural of God's creatures, mm-hmm. the birds. The and birds. so we are doing the birds. We have always like to have Allison react to the trailer. Allison, what are your thoughts about the birds trailer? Well, the tra- I mean, the trailer I watched is clearly not what the trailer was when the movie came out. I don't even know if they did trailers or if they were just like, here's a poster, come see it. There's 12 movies. So what um, did you see? I saw, it was, I mean, it was just like, it was just like a montage of, it was, it was threaded together as a trailer, but it looked like it was edited uh, more recently than 1963 or whatever this movie came out. But uh, it's just like birds bothering people in worse and worse ways, which is what I've always understood this movie to be, which is, it's referenced all the time. And I think that like, this movie is right. That is what birds do. I mean, I know that Real, like I just, I had sent uh, all Hallie and our our producer uh, Sabrina and Cat are. Oh um, yes, please share this horrifying before it, it, a horror moose bouche before we get into the film. Like it was like I just saw this story before we started recording the podcast. Like it, it was something somebody posted on Twitter today, which is a woman posted a few photos of um, and said over the weekend about fifteen California condors descended on my mom's house and absolutely trashed her deck. They still haven't left. It sucks, but it's also unheard of. There's only 160 of these birds flying free in the state, and a flock of them decide to start a war with my mom. These things are like the size of turkeys. They're huge. And it's just like, uh, she just has pictures of the deck being just like all kinds of fucked up. Oh, I can and it's only like, imagine. And it's like, all right, well, 15, you know, you got about 15 birds out of 160 total. I mean, most condors are like bothering your mom. Like, that's what they're all, like, yeah, most of the living California condors are that are free, are in on this uh, event. So and it's like, even if they're not there, the other ones have heard about your mom. You know, like, we're not there, mm-hmm. but, like, the other ones right. definitely talk. For and sure. And I guess my first thought is, well, is this her mom's fault? You know, like, what has the mom done? Is your right. mom constantly leaving condor feed outside that she's going to eat, but then the birds think it's for them? Right. I mean, definitely all good questions. But, like, birds... I, uh, I, my friend Siobhan, uh, a, a friend of, I'll say friend of the pod. Yeah. Um, uh, she lives in LA and she lives, um, on the West side. And when the condo next to her was having construction done on it, this was like five or six years ago, maybe more than that. Um, when it was a construction site and not a livable home, like, Hundreds of crows took up residence. Mm, I've seen that before. I, yeah, yeah, it's super common, especially in LA. I think like crows are everywhere, and so like they were so annoyed, like they were like <laughs> bothering her all. Like they were just kind of always around, and then she heard them kind of like on the roof, like stomping, and then oh, she no. heard them trying to unscrew. I mean, like what she what we think is like they were like they were like fucking with the screws of her skylight good god and so like we've so now like it sent us down a path of heavily researching like crows and now i know too much about them but one of the things that she learned her her husband learned to do was like crows have like no natural predators except for owls uh or a cd spinning on a string (laughs) um so those are how you get rid of them. Um, so they would have, they downloaded owl sounds onto their iPhones and whenever they heard them like fucking with the skylight, they would like go hold up their phones oh playing these owl sounds so they would fly away. Did it work? 
I th- I mean, the crows all still lived next door until I think relatively recently. I think they're <laughs> the still kind of in. like around. Yeah, they're like they're like we got a great mortgage on this place, and uh, you know we're going to stick. Look at these property values, um, <laughs> Santa Monica. So um, I guess that speaks to my question, but I guess we always like to get baseline scary. Yes. How scary do you find? I mean, I know you hate birds, but how scary do you find the concept of birds? I think anything that flies is scary mm-hmm. um, just because that's something that we don't do. So like it has, it can do things, like birds can do something that we can't do. Right. They think um, they're better so, than us. Yeah. And they're always, and then like when I see one walking, I'm like, what are you doing? Like you can oh, fly. Just don't like you get know in the air, dumbass. Um, I also like, they just, I don't know. And they're like, you know, we always think of them as like disease ridden and, and other problems. So and they no got thanks little on claws. Birds. Like scratch yeah, your face, scratch your eyes. Like their mouths are knives. Like their their beaks are knives. God's greatest mistake, birds. Yes, agreed. Um, and before we begin, a movie that explores just that thesis, um, would you like to guess the twist, or if there is a twist in the birds? Guess the twist. I mean, it probably has to do with like why they're all going nuts. And like bothering people, like mm-hmm. did the people do something as this retaliation? That's, That's a great guess. question. All right, great, guess. great guess. And let us begin to answer that question as we ruin the birds. There. So this is based on a horror story by Daphne Demore. Is that how you pronounce that author's name? I'm sorry. Again, I, the French I French baffles me. But the story is called The Birds. You can find it online. And we open on Melanie Daniels, played by Tippi Hedren, and she's stopping in Davidson's Pet Shop in San Francisco, and she is the most beautiful woman in the world. So I think you got to keep this in mind, is that this woman is the most stunning woman you've ever seen. And she's, of course, as all beautiful people do, hanging out in a pet store. And she's picking (laughs) up a minor bird, which is a bird that's capable of speech, um, from the store clerk, Mrs. Magruder, who's so apologetic, but the minor bird's supposed to get here. She's already supposed to be here, but they haven't dropped her oh off. God. And so Melanie's kind of lingering at the pet shop. And it's a good thing she is because she then meets the second hottest person in the world, um, who is played by Rod Taylor. His name is Mitch Bretter. And okay. I got to say, I was like, this, I think, unfortunately, uh, there are a lot of things wrong with Hitchcock, made some great films, but mm-hmm. he also helped really uh, solidify the modern trend of, your everyone else could be a character actor. That's fine. Yeah, they could be the, old. They could be gross. Yep. But your leads better be the fu- two the smoke hottest. shows. Yes. Like some people that if you saw them in real life, you would gasp out loud. And I'm yes. like, have you ever seen a hot person at a pet store? Let alone two hot people at a right. pet store. No, something not has on happened. my life. Exactly. And so, especially not in the bird section. Yeah. So, Melanie's no. hanging out. And Melanie is, as we find out, kind of mischievous. Like, she's kind of a prankster, which, again, okay. you know, you're a gorgeous woman. You're going to be a prankster. Yeah. And um, uh, Mitch asks her, oh, do you know where the lovebirds are? I want to buy them. And so, Melanie's like, oh, this is my chance to talk to this incredibly hot guy. Yeah. And she sort of teases him, and they go through the story. And she doesn't know anything about the birds. So, he keeps asking, like, oh, are those them? And she's like, um, yes, those are lovebirds. He's like, are you sure they're not? Finches, and she's like, "Oh, actually, you're right." And sort of guiding him okay. around to the different birds. No, has no idea what she's talking about. But again, when you see someone as hot as Mitch Brenner, you gotta say something. Yeah, you gotta. And he tells her that he's buying a pair of lovebirds for his sister's eleventh birthday. And he's like, "Well, I don't want any that are too demonstrative." You know, at the same time, I don't want them to be. He too has an eleven-year-old sister. Yeah, and again, I guess it's sort of like, um, <sighs> I guess in the past, like if you're having kids when you're like twenty. 
Yeah. And then you accidentally have a kid. When you're in your like mid 30s. Years later. And yeah. I think that's what we're to think has happened because when we see, we eventually meet uh, Mitch's mother, mm-hmm. Lydia, she's older. So I think okay. we're to think, okay, they ha- she and her husband had Mitch when they were like in their early 20s. And then it was yeah. like, oops, 17 oops. years later, we had the, his uh, sister yes. who's now a child, right. which I guess still happens, but I guess less so. I'm just assuming everyone's just, you know, using the rhythm method and these things yes. happen, you know. Yes. A happy miracle. He has a, a sister who is turning 11, and he's going to get her two lovebirds. And, of course, Mrs. Mercader doesn't have lovebirds in either. And they, But they have this flirty exchange where both of them are clearly like, oh, okay, who are you? Okay. And um, he says to uh, Melanie, would you mind getting me a canary out of the cage? Maybe I'll get her a canary. And Melanie's like, uh, okay, and then just grabs a canary out of the cage, which oh. I don't work at a pet store, but I can tell you you're not supposed to do that. No, you're definitely not supposed to do that. And the canary immediately gets out of her hand, starts flying around the store. Okay. Mrs. Magruder freaks out. Melody's trying to grab it. And finally, Mitch is able to trap it under a hat. And when he puts it back in the cage, he says, you know, back in your gilded cage, um, Melanie. And she realizes he knows who she is. And she's like, how do you know my name? He's like, I saw you in court that time. And apparently, weird to think that Melanie is like a Paris Hilton in 2007-level socialite. Her dad owns one of the big newspapers, and she is, like, always on the society pages as kind of like a bad girl. And she had done a prank, which we don't find out about, but had done sort of prank, and it ended with a storefront window being shattered. Pranking. Oh, my God. I know. I was like, so she did a prank that ended in property damage. And, of course, she's rich and gorgeous, so she's not, I'm sure she didn't even have to pay a fine. not in touch. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but Mitch is a lawyer, and he's like, I saw you in court, and I know I know who you are, but you don't know who I am. And she's like, well, <laughs> all right. I, and so he leaves without getting the, the lovebirds because he's like, oh, I'll you know, get her something else. Yeah. But they have this, you know, really electric little moment. And Melanie, because she has a confidence of a really rich, hot person, mm-hmm. runs outside to stop Mitch, to essentially to ask him out. But he's already driving away, so she writes down his license plate. From the pet store, she calls her brother, who also works at her father's newspaper, and gets oh him God. to call the DMV and find out Mitch's name what? and address, which no. I believe is now illegal. I don't think you could just call the DMV and I get I do think that's address. illegal, and I would be upset if it's not. Right, and if it's not, I, I hope that it is. Yeah. So, um, Melanie decides to order two lovebirds from the pet store, and then as a secret gift, drop it off at Mitch's house the next morning, mm-hmm. and sort of write like a flirty note, like, I got these for your sister, have, tell her to have a good birthday or whatever. Unfortunately, when she goes to drop them off, his, Mitch's neighbor is like, oh, are those from Mitch? Because he's out of town. He goes up to Bodega Bay every weekend. So don't leave them. I don't want these dead birds in my hallway, you know? And Melanie's like, well, do you know where he lives? And he's like, well, it's, I'm not sure the area is Bodega Bay, which I looked up and it is gorgeous. It's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, north of San Francisco. And she's like, well... You know, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go there, Allison. I mean, Allison. She's already looked up the man's name and address. This woman, psychotic. She, she bought two birds. Right. She's gonna drive an hour and a half, two hours, to drop off birds. She doesn't know his address up there. No. She thinks that she's gonna show up in that town and find him and drop off the birds. And Allison, she's going to do it because that's how hot and that's how rich this woman yeah. is. Yeah. She's like, yeah, of course, that's how this is gonna work out. That's how everything always works out for me. And so she drives up there. It's gorgeous. She's like driving up. California looks incredible. And she's got like this I mean, gorgeous yeah. silver um, Aston Martin convertible. Ugh, and I she's mean. like wearing a fur coat. So of course when she gets to town, it's like this little like, you know, cute, quaint, like seaside right. town with like a crab shack. 
everyone looks like, you know, they're an extra in a Stephen King movie, like just has like a big sweater on. <laughs> Everyone's like, who the fuck? Is that a movie star? Like, who the fuck <laughs> right. is that? She shows up and she goes to the general store and she's like, okay, so um, do you know Mitch Brenner? And he's like, oh yeah, he lives directly across the bay. Um, he comes every weekend to stay with his mother, Lydia, and his sister. And she says, oh, do you know the sister's name? Because I'm going to write like a note. He's like, oh, I want to say it's Lois or Alice. I don't know. And um, she says, well, you know, I want to surprise them, so I don't want to just drive around the bay. And the the guy's like, uh, I mean, the only way you'd be able to surprise them is if you rented a boat and, like, went straight across the bay. Allison, she rents a boat. What? She gets, this is a lot for just, like, a handsome man. It's too much. It's, it's too again, much. Even though she's beautiful, if any person, male, female, gay, straight, you right. know, if somebody went to this length, you'd be like, I don't know you. I don't like this. You found my mother's home. Uh, yeah. Two hours outside the city? That's You bought scary. birds and brought them here? I mean... You bought... You brought birds you into brought my home? Birds. No. And she, he said, okay, uh, you know, get me a, a little boat with an outboard motor. Um, but is there anyone who would know his sister's name? And he's like, maybe oh, you should go up and talk to Annie uh, Hayworth. She's the school teacher. It's like a little enough town where it's like, she'll know her because she teaches all the kids. Mm-hmm. And just drive up past the motel and you'll find her. She's a house literally right next to the school. Because I'm like, this poor teacher, she doesn't get to have a life or like do anything. She lives next to the playground. Um, Oh, God. So Allison, she drives to Annie's house. And is like, oh, hi, I'm a stranger. Um, I know Mitch Brenner. What is his sister's name? It turns out it's Kathy. And they sort of chat. And Annie, who is also the hottest person in the world, it's Suzanne Plachette, stunning. Oh, great. And has this, like, beautiful, like, smoky voice. Um, mm-hmm. She's like, oh, so you know Mitch from the city. Everybody knows from Mitch from the city. And you could just tell from how awkward things are. It's like, oh, Annie used to have something with Mitch. Yes. And she definitely. clearly still feels something about it. And now this glamorous, blonde, crazy person is up yeah. from the city to come steal her, well, not her man, but her ex-man. But, yeah. But she's polite enough, and she tells her, oh, it's Kathy's name, and, and you know, I— I'm going to be at her birthday tomorrow, so I'll see you there, you know, if you're here for that. And and, she, and Melly's like, oh, no, I'm just here to drop off some birds. And even Andy's like, okay, <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not involved. <laughs> and so um, Melanie goes back to the uh, general store, and she goes and she picks up a boat. And then in her fur coat and heels, and luckily everyone is also reacting like this is insane, like all the fishermen yeah. are like, ma'am, what are you doing? What are you doing? Put on some shoe shoes. She gets yeah. into a boat with some birds, and she goes across the bay, and this is like a huge, this no. is not like a, oh, you could swim, a normal person could swim right. across it. This is a gigantic body of water, yeah. but she's she's that confident, and she she does get there, so in, in her defense, she clearly knows how to use like she an outboard motor. I would go into but. the ocean to die, but that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so she goes across and she lands, she shuts off the motor and then paddles in to land at the dock so they won't be able to hear the motor. And okay. so she goes and sneaks in and she leaves the little note for Kathy and the birds and a note for Mitch. And Imagine then sneaks back out. coming home to find birds that weren't there when you left. And so, and also as we see, Mitch is still there. He's just in the barn. So he's on the property. Okay. So he could walk out at any time. She sneaks back, gets in the boat. Also, she has like a Birkin. Like she's like dressed to the nines, <laughs> and she's getting into this boat. She has a and she paddles out for a little further, so she could still see the shore. Yeah. 
and she's watching and she sees Mitch go back from the barn into the house and then literally run back out to be like, where did these birds come from? Yeah, great and question, he, Mitch. And here's the only problem with their plan is if she can see Mitch, he can see her. And he immediately like looks right. out and he has a pair of binoculars and he she's waves She's like the one her. boat in the water near the house. Yeah, it's not like Daytona spring break where like there's a ton of people in the water. Right. You are a woman in a fur coat on a boat. Of course he's going to see you. And Allison, when he sees her, he is delighted. He finds the whole thing so weird what? and charming. And charming. It's like, oh my gosh, you know. And Allison, I just want to point out at this point in the movie, you know what we haven't had yet? What? Any sort of bird attacks at all. <laughs> we yeah, have wow. not even approached having a bird attack. That's crazy. So Mitch sort of, you know, uh, he he's, you know, he's waving to her. So she's going across the bay and Mitch gets in his car and he drives around to town while she's puttering straight across the bay. So he gets there right before her and okay. he's waving. And as they're waving, a seal comes and just dive bombs Melanie and scratches up her scalp. And so she's bleeding under her forehead and they're both sort of shocked. And Mitch Wait, gets a her seagull? A seagull. A seagull. Okay, I thought you said a bombs seal. Her. I was like... What's no, that's a different. Now? That's a different, that's a different movie. movie. That's the sequel, the Flying Seals. Yeah, Seals. Alfred Hitchcock's The, the Flying Seals. So it's a um, seagull. Okay, so a seagull gull. just like a rips her. Okay, a gull absolutely just. And so she's like gushing blood on her forehead. And Mitch is like, "Oh, sorry. Like, I think you might need a tetanus shot." And she's like, "I had a booster last year, so it's immediately not sexy." You know, like Ugh. even if it had been right, like, talking about like vaccinations and like, but right. it's immediately like not. <laughs> Right, so this is not going to plan, obviously, as blood is dripping down her head. And so he takes her to the Tides restaurant, which is, again is like, this is my dream restaurant where it's like, it's mm. kind of a diner. It's kind of a really fancy restaurant where like there's Ugh. a bar, but like windows to look out on the bay. My dream. Like with booths and like a little freestanding. And like, the, oh my God, like a gorgeous mirrored bar. The kind of thing that like, people would have replaced and then like now they're trying to make things look like that again. Does yes, that make sense? Yes, like it's like an yes, a, absolutely. a classic look. So you walk in and you're like, oh my God, it's fabulous. Unfortunately, yes. she's gushing blood so everyone turns and looks at her and <clears throat> um, Deke and Helen, who are the owners of the diner, like rush over. They're like, what the fuck happened? Like, did this happen in our restaurant? Are you going to sue us? And Mitch is like, no, no, she's fine. You know, and they yeah. they have like antiseptic and they clean off her forehead and Mitch just, and Melody's like, that was very weird. Like, does that happen here a lot? And it's like, no. And they see, like, there's these little, you know, like, they're, like, flirty. And, and Melody says, like, oh, do you see those lovebirds I left you? And Mitch says, so you came all the way up here to drop off some birds? Birds? And Melanie says, um, yeah, but I was already coming up here. I was visiting a friend. Why would she think she could get away with that? She doesn't know the first thing about this town. Because she gets away with everything. With everything. And Mitch says, who's your friend? And Melanie oh, replies... Annie Hayworth, the school teacher. We oh went to God. college together. I'm just staying for the weekend. And Mitch obviously knows that she's lying. And she's like, also, like, you know there was a motel. The guy at the drugstore or the general store told you there was a motel. Just say you're at the motel. Like, you know, yeah. like. Right. Why would you even make up that you're staying with her? Like, Also, you brought the birds. Like, cats out of the bag. Right. Like, you right. went through you all the like, trouble. You were like, oh, yeah. I happened to meet you yesterday and know that, like, come on. Also, even if that was true that she was visiting a friend, she's still rented a boat to drop off some, like, surprise right. birds. That's right. already too much. The birds were know? still a surprise. And, um, yeah, cat's out of the bag. You like this guy. Um, in the meantime, Mitch's mom, Lydia, stopped at the restaurant because she saw his car. And as soon as she sees Melanie, she's like, oh, boy. Like, I'm she's just again. cold and she is not having it. She's like, oh, one of your city women, you know. Yeah. Obviously very off-put by the fact mm -hmm. that Melanie has suddenly showed up and she doesn't know anything about her. She feels very out of control. 
And also, Melanie looks like a clone of Lydia, who's played by Jessica Tandy, also the hottest grandma who ever lived. Yeah. Also stunning. Um, and Misha says, so, okay, so if you're staying for the weekend, you should come to dinner tonight. And uh, she's like, oh, should I, and should I pick you up at the Annie's? And she's like, uh, no, I'll just I'll just come to your house for dinner. You know, like, obviously she can't, don't go to Annie's. I lied about staying there for no reason whatsoever. For no I, reason. Like, yeah. there's no benefit to that lie. Exactly. But uh, but uh, Melanie says, no, no, I'll just drive to your house, you know. In the meantime, mm-hmm. Melanie goes to Annie's house, and it turns out Annie does have a room for rent. But she says, can I just rent it for the night, and I'll pay you, like, you know, whatever you want. Yeah. And Annie's like, you might yeah, that's in. fine. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, right. who else? I mean, this is the middle of nowhere, you know, right. California. I might as well take your money for one day rather than have this room standing open. And they have this, like, they both have, like, steely blue eyes, and they have this staring contest. They're like, oh, you're here to visit Mitch, are you? Like, they're both clearly interested in Mitch. And, yes. like, clearly there's all this unspoken animosity and, like, t- tumult, which is, like, really fun. And we also get, uh, Annie mentions there's all these migrating birds, just to remind us that this is the birds, because right. we are, we're st- we have not seen, we saw one bird, okay? One and bird. then now we're going to have to cycle back. One bird attack. Yeah. Um, so that night, Melody goes to Mitch's house, and Kathy's like, oh my God, thank you so much for the lovebirds. I love them. You should stay tomorrow. I have a birthday party, and it's going to be so fun. And Melody's like, ah, I'm going to go in the morning. I just, you know, yeah. wanted to see you guys. And we find out that there is something wrong with Lydia's chickens, and Lydia's really distraught that chickens are not okay. eating. So she calls down to the general store. Oh, the guy at the general store is Fred Brinkmeyer. And okay. she says, like, the feed you sold me it was bullshit. You know, my chickens won't eat it. And apparently there's another chicken farm down the road owned by Dan Fawcett. And his chickens won't eat, but it's a different feed. So now Lydia's like, okay. oh, my God, are the chickens sick? Like, got some sort of yeah. avian flu or whatever. Chicken disease, Yeah. And they have, like, sort of, like, this, again, has all this weird animosity towards Melanie. And to be fair, Melanie just showed up, and it's, like, clearly a weirdo. But, like, in a benevolent way, we hope. Yeah, she was coming bearing a gift, and because she's interested in someone, not, like, to stir shit up. Yeah. However, we find out that the reason that Lydia is so hesitant about Melanie is that she recognizes her from, like, the gossip columns. Like, she, even though it's two hours away, like, she reads those papers. Yeah. And there was an incident last summer where... Melanie allegedly jumped naked into a fountain in Rome. And it was like this huge scandal. And Mitch is like, yeah, you don't have to remind me how awesome she is. (laughs) Like, that's cool. Like, obviously, you're like, oh, this beautiful woman jumped naked into a fountain. That's awesome. So um, Mitch is Now she's here giving us birds. Right. What's what's not to like? Yeah. And so Mitch sees Melanie off. And as she's going to go stay the night at Annie's, and they sort of, he keeps like joking about like going swimming and like, you know, like alluding to the Rome thing. And okay. she starts to be like defensive because obviously she likes him and she's like trying to be vulnerable, but now he's like teasing her about her reputation. And he's like, fine, then I don't want to have anything to do with this. And she sets off down the road back to Annie's house and he's like, oh, I went too far, you know, and she's sort of an unusual person. So like she couldn't handle, she could dish it out, but she can't handle it. Right. While she's driving, we just see dozens of croaking crows lined up on the telephone wire, like watching her car go by. When she gets back to Annie's house, they both, they have a brandy, they unwind, and we find out, of course, Annie used to date Mitch. So Annie also met Mitch in San Francisco, and they were dating like four years ago, but then Mitch's dad died. And it was sort of like Lydia, like, needed Mitch... Lydia was so afraid of being abandoned after her husband's death that, like, Mm -hmm. her relationship with Mitch is, like, I cannot have somebody else in his life. So she didn't like Annie either. And so she's like, Melanie, it has nothing to do with you. She will not like any woman that 
she dated. And, and, mm-hmm. and Melanie's like, well, that sounds like a jealous, possessive mother. You're like, we all heard that. And Annie's like, it's more complicated than that because it's all tied up with, like, her husband's death. And, like, it's just, like, her afra- fear that Mitch will abandon them and, like, just be gone. Which mm-hmm. I thought was, like, a very insightful thing to ha- say about his ex and, like, his mean mom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, and so Melanie says, so why are you still here and not back in San Francisco or, or anywhere else? Right, you know? right. And Annie said, well, I just, our friendship is too important and I... I just always wanted to have Mitch in my life, which sucks. That's so sad. Yeah, that sucks. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Like, I just can't imagine having that relationship with an ex where it's like, I'm going to live in the middle of nowhere. Right. And just be there. Just for you. To be your friend. Because then it's like, well, he's going to meet another woman and that's going to, you know, if he gets married or that's like, I don't know. It just seemed like super sad. Mm -hmm. But either way... Um, Melanie's like, well, we're not dating, so don't worry about it. Annie's like, we're not dating. You don't worry about it. Oh, God. And they kind of have like a, you don't care. You don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. Nobody's going to worry about it. Um, Mitch is like, hello? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But (gasps) Melanie does say like, should I come to the party tomorrow? Is that going to be weird? Because Annie's going to be there too. Mm -hmm. And he's like, just come to the party. It's fine. So they're being very mature about it. Suddenly there's a thought at the door, Allison. And they open the door and what is it? It's up seagull and it slammed oh into God. the window and it died and they're both like that's Ooh. strange fade yes. to black yes it is it's about to be that's stranger. very strange <laughs> um so next day so melly also does not pack any clothes so in the entire movie she's wearing like this gorgeous like green three-piece green suit that's like very mm-hmm. iconic but it's funny because like if i was mitch i'd be like you're wearing the same clothes i knew you didn't pack like you right. lied to me yeah. not staying with my friend but okay <laughs> right right also, if you were know- here for the weekend you would have brought stuff also, I'm friends with Annie. She would have told me that a friend yes. was coming. Like, it's like, you you biffed it, you know? So while they're at the party, Mitch and um, Melanie go up on this bluff, and they're both immaculately dressed, and they have, like, a carafe of martinis that they're, like, drinking, like, looking out Ugh. over the water. It looks so nice. That looks, that sounds great. <laughs> um, and so they kind of have this, like, you know, heart-to-heart conversation, and we find out that Melanie's mother kind of abandoned the family when she was 11 and remarried, and she doesn't even have, she doesn't even know where she is now. And she's really distraught about that, but she says, like, the thing in Rome was really overblown. She was pushed into a fountain, and she was clothed. And that's Mm -hmm. the truth. And she sort of says, you know, like, I used to be this party girl, but after that summer, I sort of realized, like, I want to actually do something with my life. So... She's like taking courses and she has like a, a job like a job at the airport and she's helping tutor a Korean child and trying to like do something positive rather than just be a party girl and go to Rome. And mm-hmm. I'm, it's just like, okay, all right, well, you know, as a serious lawyer, I appreciate these things. And they, you know, they have this conversation and he sort of they talk about his mother a little bit. And it's just sort of like, okay, maybe this could be something. You know, yeah. like maybe there is something here. Right. You did something a little wacky, but right. um, but like you, know. you might be a good match in reality. Exactly. Unfortunately, Allison, this movie is called The Birds, and we don't have time to explore that burgeoning relationship anymore. Nope. Because suddenly, a flock of seagulls attacks the children's birthday party. No, Allison, this happens fifty-two minutes and forty-six seconds into the movie. That is this movie so goes far almost- into the movie. And that's the thing about the 60s. They don't give a fuck. This is a two-hour yeah, walk. Over two to hour kill. I, I've got two reels of film. Well, you're not going to see a bird attack until the second reel. You know what I mean? No. You're going to see a whole, you're going to see an interpersonal, uh, uh, not even a triangle, a yeah, quadrangle be a between of- two women and a dad's mother. You know, we're going to get yes. into it. But unfortunately, the kids 
are don't like this at all. Also, so all seagulls the, are huge. Huge. Like seagulls are the size of children. And they're just eating trash all day. So you know their mouths right. are full of bacteria. And so they, they swoop down. They start dive by them the kids. They're like ripping their hair out, pecking their faces. Obviously, terrifying shit. Probably mm-hmm. shitting in the punch, you know, like yeah, ruining definitely this shitting everywhere. birthday. And so luckily they're able to get all the kids inside and they're kind of scratched up, but they're they're okay. And Mitch and Annie and Melody are like, oh, fuck, there's a pattern. It's birds. So the question <laughs> to you, Allison, is at this point, what would you do? What would you do? Am I, who am I? You're the birds. <laughs> I am love and life. Um, no, if I'm nope. any of the people in this yeah. movie. Let's say you're Melanie. If, if I'm Melanie, I'm getting his info and being like, yeah. hey, Mitch, like, let's hang in the city. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I clearly am not staying here for the weekend and things are getting weird and I don't even have a change of clothes, let alone anything to deal with uh, all this bird crap. Yeah. So I'm going to go and I'll see you later. Yeah. Well, she doesn't take your advice. She oh, stays. She's an idiot. She's and, an idiot. and Mitch and Kathy are really lobbying for her. Like, just stay the night, stay for dinner, and then you can go in the morning. Lydia, of course, like, she'll be fine. The birds attack you. will make her drive faster. Like, get the fuck out of my house, you know? <laughs> get out of here. But they're, they're, they're sitting down, and they're like, uh, you know, sort of recapping, like, what the fuck was happening. And then suddenly Belly looks, and there a little finch has appeared, or a sparrow, a little sparrow has appeared in the fireplace. And she says, Mitch, all of a sudden, hundreds of finch of sparrows start pouring down oh the, my God. the chimney and just going fucking nuts. And they're like knocking stuff over. They're all screaming and Mitch is screaming, cover well, your eyes. About birds are like, they're so erratic. Like right, they exactly. go nuts. They go nuts. Yeah. Um, and so they're freaking so yeah. out. But then after a while, we, we cut to, it's them talking to the de- de- deputy and the attack is over. You know, and apparently this is the pattern we're picking on. The birds will attack, but then they'll retreat, you know. Okay. And they have Deputy Al there, and they're like, all the birds came in and knocked all our stuff over. You know, what are you going to do about it? And Deputy Al's like, what am I going to do about birds? Like, right. I, I'm going to arrest them? them? There's nothing I can do. And he's like, they probably just got distracted. It was night. They're, they could see the light up your chimney. They probably just got you know what I mean? There was some flock that came down and got really panicked or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, this seemed much more deliberate than that. Right. <laughs> like, this was like they were attacking our faces. Like, this one wasn't just like, oh, no, we, we got inside and now we can't. We need to get someone to open a window or whatever. Also, like, how would, I mean, all of them getting in that way is like what makes it seem so intentional yes. from the birds. Where it's like, it's not like a bird gets trapped in your house. That happens. It's one of exactly. my fears. A one-off. But like, hundreds? Yeah. No. And Al says... I mean, birds just don't go around attacking people without no reason. You know what I mean? Wrong, Al. They Wrong. absolutely they do, and we'll see them. definitely do. So, um, so in the morning, Lydia drops off Kathy at school, and she's going to talk to Dan Fawcett about how his chickens aren't eating. She mm-hmm. gets there, and there's a fireman like, oh, I haven't seen Dan, but I'm assuming he's in the house. And so Lydia goes inside. As soon as she walks in, she notices a bunch of the dishes are broken. She's like, oh, shit. So she slowly creeps down the hallway and opens the door to Dan Fawcett's bedroom. And there are dead birds everywhere and a seagull, like, stuck halfway through the window. Like a dead seagull that has snatched its way through. She turns, and we see Dan Fawcett's corpse with his eyes having been plucked from their sockets. He is dead. As you can imagine, this does not sit well with Lydia, who runs outside, doesn't even tell the farmhand, which I thought was bad business. Gets right, in yeah, the let truck. him know what's going on. Right, by the way, you're about to see your boss's corpse and his eyes been pecked out yeah. by birds. Yeah, your eyeless home, boss. 
And then, because it's like the olden times, and I love this, I wish I could do this all the time, takes to her bed. Ooh, what I would give to just be so distraught I could take to my bed. Now I'm supposed to be online. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah, you could take to your bed, but you're supposed to still be on Slack or whatever. Still have your laptop open. Yeah. And so Melanie, and this is like Melanie sort of steps up, and she like makes tea for Lydia, and is sort of taking care of her, and Lydia, Mitch ends up going over to the farm and meeting up with Deputy Al. Of course, Mitch is like, Motherfucker, I told you these birds were attacking people. Like, look what happened to Dan Fawson. And uh, at home, Melanie and Lydia had this, like, personal conversation where Lydia's like, I really have not been able to recover since my husband's death. Like, he was the strong one. I feel like I'm such a weak person, and it makes me make bad decisions. Like, I understand Mm -hmm. that, like, I want to like you, and I want to understand you. I just, it's it's really hard for me, which, again, I think is very insightful. You know, she wasn't like, I I think you're great, and now you can be my daughter-in-law. But she's like, I, I want to be, I, I just, I, I want Mitch to be here. I, I need yeah. him here because I don't feel like I can stand on my own. And I think Melanie, in exchange of that, she said, do you want me to go check on Kathy at the school? Because, you know, it seems like you're really distraught. Maybe if we just make sure Kathy's fine, we know Mitch is fine, would, then you'll feel reassured. Yes. And Lydia yes. said, I would really love that. Thank you. Well, unfortunately, Allison, mm-hmm. uh, Melanie shows up at the school and he's teaching. And Annie, like, gestures, like, go wait outside. We're about to go out to recess. So I'll just meet, we'll meet you outside. And she sits down, smokes, uh, lights the most beautiful cigarette, and is smoking on oh, a bench course. outside the playground. She does not see her. But, but we see behind her a crow landing on the playground equipment, and then another crow, and oh, then no. another crow. No. Until finally she notices and turns around, and there are hundreds of crows no. sitting no. on the playground equipment. And her no. concern is... The school, they're essentially facing these gigantic windows in the school. If they burst through those windows, those kids are going to be cut, and those kids are all going to be attacked. Yes. So She she is right for thinking that. She runs inside before Annie can call for recess and says to Annie, like, shows her the birds, what the fuck are we going to do? And Annie's like, if they get in here, we're going to be trapped. I want to take the kids outside, and we're just going to run to town. We're just going to do the best we can. start running. And keep moving. And they're like, fuck it. All right. So they tell the kids, they don't tell the kids about the birds, but they're like, okay, it's going to be like a fire drill, except everyone has to be quiet. And when I scream, run, everyone run. Unfortunately, Allison, as soon as they get outside, she yells, run. The birds start attacking them. Right. It's like you have to be like, why was, why was yelling part of the plan? Like when you're trying to discreetly get away from them. I think the truth is the birds wanted, like, we're going to attack them anyways. So Either I think way. it's like, we would have thought, so the kids are just like having their like heads scratched and their eyes gouged by these beaks. They're screaming, a little girl falls down and Kathy has to like rip crows off her back. Like oh, Jesus Christ. crying. And Melanie has to grab Kathy and a little girl fell down and they get into a parked car and lock it and the crows are attacking the outside of the, of the car. And then they retreat. So the same thing, an attack and then a retreat. It's so it odd. feels like it's strategic. It feels like a they're pack. all sort of communicating. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Melanie leaves uh, Kathy with Annie, who's at home. Again, she lives right next to the okay. school, but at least we know they're fine. Okay. And she goes to the Tides restaurant to use the phone to call her father, who's the head of the newspaper, to be like, "Can you call somebody? Like, call scientists. Like, get yeah. the authorities. Like, I need. We need backup." And her dad, I guess, is like, "You're being hysterical." You know, I mean. She's still a woman. Yeah. And right. so, yeah. so and while she's yeah. talking, yeah. And everyone is like, everyone at the diner is like looking at her like, is this real? Are we supposed to trust this out-of-towner? You know? Right. And uh, then we are introduced to my favorite character in the movie. And that is, of course, <laughs> my personal hero, Mrs. Bundy 
an ornithologist. That's the word, right? Ornithologist. And right then, Mrs. Bundy, who is a bird scientist, arrives at the diner. Oh, what she, are the she's odds? just wanting us to get some clam chowder. She was just there yeah. for the weekend. Who knows? I get it. Unfortunately, she has the same problem we had during Sci-Fi Month, which is Mrs. Bundy is operating under a certain rubric of understanding of birds. She yes. does not think this is possible. Right. So right. everyone in the diner ends up having like an argument, like, is this real? And Mrs. Bundy's like, birds aren't aggressive. Like, birds cannot communicate across species. Crows don't have the brain pan to, like, organize an attack. Right. And Melanie's like, I saw them attack the children. I also, don't, I'm not making this up. For what it's worth, we have learned now that crows are as smart as seven-year-old children. So... Exactly. Well, there we go. And could seven-year-old children organize a mass attack? I don't know, but I don't. I hope to never find out. I don't want to know. And you know, and there's another character who's his his name I have to be his drunken soothsayer, and he's like, "It's the end of the Amazing. world." Okay. I knew this was going to happen. You know, drunk in the middle of the day, fabulous. That and is I, this me. This is when I realized <laughs> that the birds. Right, you're this character in the movie. Yes. The birds is to to Alfred Hitchcock that. The happening is to M. Night Shyamalan. I think M. Night Shyamalan was trying to do the birds. Okay. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. And and if you haven't listened to our episode on the happening, uh, go listen to that before you listen to the rest of this, just for any, for clarity, really. It'll make this richer. But I I see now where this is going, and knowing the end of that movie, I can see, like, the the track he was trying to be on and how far he, he diverged from it. I mean, you know, listen, hey, I'll apologize for that man's work forever, but I see the parallels. Yes. You know, and uh, there's this mother who's there with his children, like, could you please tell them to be quiet down and stop talking about birds attacking people? They're scared of my children. And it's like, wouldn't you want to know if this was happening? Yeah, right. I want all the information about bird attacks. And Mrs. Bundy said, Birds have been on this planet, Miss Daniels, since Archaeopteryx, 140 million years ago. Doesn't it seem odd? That they'd wait all that time to start a, a war against humanity. Well, yeah, but here we are. Yeah. Goodbye like, to your eyes, Mrs. Bundy. That is what is happening. And Millie says, I saw the attack. The birds were after the children. And Mrs. Bundy says, to what purpose? And Melanie says, well, to kill them. I think the birds would try to kill the children. Yes. And Mrs. Bundy's like, ah, birds are great. You don't know anything about birds. You know, and it's just sort of, she's not having it. And finally, the nervous mother of these kids and a salesman are like, if this is happening, we're going to drive out of town. Like, we're going to go to the highway and get the fuck out of town. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I wasn't there at school, but if she says she saw a bird attack, why not believe her? You know? Right. Just then, Deputy Allen Mish burst in and Mish is like, the birds killed Dan Fawcett. I saw it. And the drunken drunken soothsayer is like, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Okay. And I'm like, is that Bible quote implying that, like, this is what God's plan is? Like, is right. that what we're suggesting? Like, that ultimately this was how things would end up, that birds would start attacking humans? Well, oh. unfortunately, if that's the plan, it's going perfectly. Because suddenly Melanie looks outside and a flock of seagulls is attacking a gas station attendant. Great. Who, a poor gas station attendant. They have such God. a fucking bad yes. deal in the world of, of horror. They are always, yeah, they definitely get a raw deal or alternately they are part of the raw deal that is being yes, given to others. That is given you, to others, yes. Yeah, um, so he drops the um, the nozzle and I guess now the fact that, well, if you were to drop the nozzle but automatically shut off is like a newer invention. Right. Yes. He gets knocked unconscious, drops the nozzle, gas starts flowing down the street 
And as they watch and scream from the inside, the salesman who just left is lighting a cigar next to his car. And they're like, don't do it. He drops the match. He and his car explode, setting like two or three other cars on fire. And then the gas trails along to the gas station. The gas station explodes. Of course. And everyone is like, oh, shit. And then suddenly the air is full of birds. And people, all the men, you know, I mean, God bless them. I think now I would also feel obligated to run out to fight the birds, you know, gender equality. Right, All right, of the right, men yes. run outside to try to stop the gas station from exploding. Like, try to help people, try to, to yeah. the fire department shows up, and of course, try to stop the birds from killing people. Has anybody just pulled out a rifle and started shooting at them? Not yet. Okay. And I guess part of Mrs. Bundy's argument is like, if this is true, there are almost 100 billion birds in the world. We will right. not be able to kill them. Like, they will Yeah, kill if we us. kill 12, like, what have we done? Like, that's nothing. Right. Even if every person in America has a machine gun, which is probably where we're headed, yeah, we still would not be able to kill birds enough, fast enough, in order to For them to, to not still be... Okay, yeah. Everybody freaks out, including Melanie, who runs out of the diner and then is attacked by birds, so she has to seek refuge in a telephone booth, which is kind mm-hmm. of like an iconic scene. An icon- yes. Where there are birds just attacking her, and she's screaming and flailing around. And the, these birds are going nuts. Like, they're dive-bombing yeah. the firefighters who, like, drop the hoses. Like, there is fire streaming into the parking lot. It is just madness. And finally, Mitch is able to get her out of the phone booth, and they run in, back into the diner, where all of the women who are there are huddled into this back hallway. Mm-hmm. And that hysterical mom with the kids... She comes up to Melanie. She's like, they say when you arrived, the whole thing started. Who are you? What are you? And it's like, okay, really? We're going to blame Melanie for this? Though she did show up with birds. and That's true. That's very true. You know, if I saw that and then this was going on, I'd be like, look, it seems like a stretch, but we should ask. (laughs) And so a woman screams at Melanie, I think you're evil. And Melanie steps forward and just slaps the shit out of her. My question to you, Allison, is... Who will survive? Who will survive? I think this is Hitchcock, so I feel like most people will survive. Um, yeah. I think Melanie will survive. I think Anne, Annie, Anne? Yeah. Uh, will survive. Mitch will survive. I think Mitch's mother will die. Mm-hmm. Great. Um. So the birds have, have then retreated, as is their uh, military stratagem. Yes. <laughs> and so Mitch and Melanie, they run on foot to Annie's house, uh, where Melanie's car is parked outside the school. Mm-hmm. And they're going to pick up Kathy and go back to uh, Lydia's house to check on Mitch's mother. Unfortunately, when they arrive at Annie's house, they find Annie's corpse collapsed on the front steps. Oh, no! Allison, she has been murdered. Murdered. She's been brutally murdered, and Ugh. her face is all clawed up. Yeah. And they panic, but luckily Kathy got inside, and Kathy tells them through her tears that they were going back to Annie's house, assuming that the birds attack, well, they had enough time. Was over. Yeah. But the birds attacked Annie, and she was able to shove Kathy inside just in time. And I'm like, that. Aww. not only did this woman get dubbed by the hottest man in the world. Yes. Not only did she pine for him and stay in this town to be with him, but then she got killed by birds. Yeah, it's not great. One or the other, you know, God. Yeah. You should they say God doesn't give doesn't give people more than they can handle, but I think in this case he really did. I it was too many did. birds. This is too many birds. Um, and so they put Annie's body inside her 
house, thankfully, so she doesn't get pecked by birds anymore. And they drive back to the Brenner house, and Mitch starts um, hammering wood and, and covering up all the windows. And they're like, okay, we're just going to have to hunker down, you know, and and try to make it through. And they're listening to the radio, and uh, at least by now, the authorities know about the bird attacks, and they okay. are sending troops in, and... And, but even the radio report, they're like, we don't know what to do about this. Yeah, I'm like trying to think of a, I'm like, where, what's my, and I'm like, I don't have a solution. Like, because you think like, oh, just stay inside. But they come in through the chimneys and they throw themselves through the windows. So like, yeah. that's that. I guess a basement? Right. So the like it's like, what if, you're, what if you're trapped? What if they get into the bunker and there's no way for you to escape? You know, right. it's like, then you're trapped in a basement. I had the exact same right. thing about the basement. Yes. Um, and so, you know, they go there, and they've he's nailed all the windows shut, and then they build a fire so they can't come down the chimney. Okay. That's smart. Lydia is freaking out. She's like, if your father was here, he would know what to do. What are you going to do? You're just going to, you're going to try to make a plan, but we're all going to end up dying, you know? And everyone's like, oh my God, you're not helping. Okay. And she no. apologizes no, to Mitch, like, panicking. I'm sorry, I freaked out. And Mitch is like, Let's all just calm down. We're all going to hang out in the living room. We're going to make some coffee. You know, it's going to be fine. Eventually, there's another bird attack, and they can hear thousands of birds attacking the house. And eventually, the power goes out. Presumably, the birds have cut the power line. That makes sense. And they are, they're all just waiting. Mitch, why are they doing this? The birds? We don't know, honey. Why are they trying to kill people? I wish I could say at a certain point, the birds get through a window and Mitch has to pull the shutter back and then tie it with electrical cord. And there's this oh lingering shot of the bird's uh, beaks pecking his hand and like Ugh. scratching it and blood just spurting out of his hand while he's trying to do this. Ugh. And, you know, and, and then in the back, uh, in the kitchen, they finally get through the door. They're able to peck the door. So then Mitch has to haul over a piece of furniture and nail it to the frame. If anything, Lydia should be proud of how Mitch is handling this. Like, he's coming off like a champ. He is yeah. he's bipping and bopping. He's raised well, yeah. Yeah, he's he is good in a crisis. A crisis. Mm-hmm. And Melanie's been great, too. She's, like, tending to Kathy and to Lydia, you know, sort of trying to great. take care of them. You know, but they're they're not sure what to do other than we're going to have to survive this right. night, you know. And at a certain point, they're kind of huddled in the living room, and Kathy says, asks if she could bring the lovebirds in the living room. And Lydia says, no! And Kathy no. retorts, but they're in a cage, and they haven't hurt anyone. And Lydia says, they're birds, aren't they? Yeah. Which is how and, I feel about which it. should be the response to anybody in real life bringing up wanting birds around. They're yeah. birds! And we could tell, like, um, Melanie or uh, Lydia is sort of warming to Melanie because Melanie is really taking care of Kathy, like, you know, okay. saved her for birds earlier. Like, yes. she, much like Mitch, is really stepping up. And this is, you know, whether or not this was going to be a fling, like, in a moment of crisis, she's taking care of this family that she just met. And she's, so Lydia, I think, is really appreciative of yes. her preventing yes. her child from being murdered by birds. And that's yes. the thing. If you want a guy's mother to like you, save yeah. her other child from a bird attack. Yeah. You're golden. That's when I go to. I so it's the middle of the night. The bird attack has stopped. And the only person awake is Melanie, and she hears a fluttering. And <gasps> I want, I'm want i going to ta- address this at the end of the podcast, but this scene is sort of like famously an example of like what a piece of shit uh, Alfred Hitchcock is. Mm-hmm. Um, because this okay. is like they filmed it in a very brutal and strange way. And another part of this, which is strange about the scene that's about to happen, is I guess uh, Timmy Hedren said to Elvin Hitchcock, why would my character do this? And Elvin Hitchcock told her, because I told you to. 
And that's how I feel oh, about this God. scene. Because she goes upstairs alone with a flashlight in the middle. This is like the dead of night, like three in the yeah. morning. Why? And okay. she hears a fluttering from inside a bedroom. And Allison, she opens the door. And what we see inside is the birds have pecked a fairly large hole in the ceiling, in oh the roof. God. And the room is full of birds who immediately attack her. And then it's this like incredibly long, torturous scene of this poor woman being pecked by birds. And she's not screaming, which I'm assuming was a directorial decision. So it's very yeah. unsettling. You just Ugh. hear the birds. Like you don't hear like, her... Which again is also unrealistic. Like you would absolutely, if this happened to you, you'd be screaming the whole you'd time. You'd be screaming. You'd be screaming. Everybody would be screaming. And she's look. She looks horrible. And eventually, she's exhausted. She can't find them off. She collapses. And luckily, Mitch and Lydia have woken up to the sound of it, and they pull her out and save her. And they're able to lock the door. And now, now Lydia's like, "I'm going to get bandages. I'm going to take care of you." You know, like she yeah. even she's able to like rise to the occasion. Okay. But Melanie is essentially like catatonic. Like she's in shock from this yeah. bird attack. And they're, and they're like, okay, we got to go to a hospital. Like we can't. Yeah. This, she is now physically and mentally at a place where I don't feel comfortable With keeping her hair. Taking care of her. Yeah. So they wait until the bird attack is over. And then Mitch has to go out to the garage and he opens the door and he is immediately confronted with thousands of different species of bird, thousands of birds, crows, seagulls essentially working together and has to walk I don't, I don't love them. the working together. That's Absolutely really not. upsetting. <laughs> and walks through the garage. He turns on the radio and um, Melanie's car. And it says, again, like, we have a blockade. There's other attacks going on in other towns okay. now. Um, the military's going in. Again, we don't have any explanation for this and we don't know what to do about it. But most people in Bodega Bay have evacuated um, okay. at this point. So he drives up to the house and he and his mother take Melanie out on the porch. And as soon as she sees all the birds, she, you know, she sort of comes to her. She goes, no, no, <laughs> which I thought was a very funny line delivery. Yes. So they calm her down and they get her in the car and they put um, Lydia in. And then Mish goes back and he gets his sister. And she says, can I bring the lovebirds? They didn't hurt anybody, you know, and they're in a cage. And Mish says, okay. And then he puts her in the car <gasps> and they drive off towards the horizon while thousands of birds turn and look at their car. And that is the birds. Oh, no thanks. Yeah. The segment I wanted to do of this uh, week is about the shooting of the birds because I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mm -hmm. discuss this part of it. Yes. And I've alluded to before uh, Alfred Hitchcock being a truly Weinstein-level, yes. absolute horrible person. Monster. He, he, he sort of, he quote-unquote made Tibby Hedren's career by putting her in this movie, uh, Universal didn't want her because she was like a newbie. But, and she's very good in this and, and mm -hmm. she got rave reviews. And he's like, yeah. no, but as a result of that, he really thought that he owned her pretty much. Yeah. And so that's like a larger issue, which she has talked about publicly. I mean, year, yeah. decades later, because she's like, I didn't want to ruin my career. Right, But he was of like course. sexually propositioning her on set. You know, she, you know, basically like, Try uh, having people monitor her and control who she was talking about. Like it was like, oh, is she dating people or whatever? Ooh. You know they, you know, and she rejected that and had no interest in that and was like, I could see where this is going and I, I don't want to mm -hmm. be a part of it. Um, and he basically said at a certain point, like, if you don't continue to appear in my movies, I'm going to destroy your career. And she's like, well, then I'm my career is probably going to be destroyed. Right. And he essentially you know, ruined her career. Eventually, she had a contract that he essentially controlled back, I don't right. know how it works now, yeah. but eventually he sold her contract to Universal. She was in some other pictures, but 
it, it did. He, she didn't have the career that I think she wanted but, to. Fortunately, yes. she did not have to have sex with or be date Elvin Hitchcock, who was a huge piece of shit. Yeah, I think that that like is a silver lining here. Yeah. The more specific scene thing I wanted to talk about is in the shooting of this scene, which is the sort of a famous Hollywood story because it was so horrible. And so they're going to shoot this final scene where she is mm-hmm. attacked by birds, and she gets a confirmation from. Uh, Hitchcock that they're going to be using fake birds because they used a lot of real birds for shooting a lot of the scenes, you know, not necessarily the ones that are interacting with humans, but like, you know, the flocks and everything. Those are real trained birds. And he said, of course they're going to be. Instead, for five days, they shot this scene where there are live birds either sewn to her clothes with nylon rope, like they had, (gasps) they were tethered to her. Not like, they just had a little like ankle cuff or whatever. Or, she was having live birds with their mouths uh, taped close thrown at her, including what? dozens of live gulls, ravens, and crows. And this went on for almost a week. And now she I'm also so shocked that she was even able to get through that scene without screaming. Absolutely. And so, at what, and this is from Wikipedia, in a state of exhaustion when one of the birds gouged her cheek and narrowly missed her eye, Hedren sat down on the set and began crying, and a physician said, ordered a week rest. And Hitchcock protested, according to Hedren, saying that nobody but her was left to film. The doctor's reply was, are you trying to kill her? <gasps> so this is a famous, again, she's great in this movie, but it's like, this is not torture, psychologically and physically torture a woman good. You know, this no, is a good movie. No, it is not, not worth, nothing is worth Nothing this. is worth that. And it's, this is one of those things where like, I had heard things about Hitchcock. Obviously yeah, that's not like same. a secret, but I just hadn't like read about it. He really thought he was like a Svengali where it's like, if I make your career, I'm allowed to treat mm-hmm. you like I however I want to. Which hopefully, I mean, again, Me Too is a very recent thing, but it's like, we can't still be doing this. You no. know, like this is, you no. can't treat actors and actresses like this. Like it, you just can't, you know, they're not like yeah. just puppets for you to, to do this thing with. So I don't know. It's it's a complicated. It's a classic movie. I I love this movie, but much like every movie and every director in Hollywood, there's going to be a lot of conflicting darkness, darkness mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. on. And I just mm-hmm. felt like I couldn't leave this episode without explaining that part of it. No, I think because, that's important I don't know. context so, here. But yeah, it's 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 a really harrowing look at just things that I'm sure nobody at the Hollywood. time, like yeah. when they're mar- marketing this movie, nobody's telling this part of it, right. you know? And she didn't talk about it till later, later completely understandably, um, but has talked Ooh. about it since. Um, and I, I think I'm going to leave it on that, but yeah, are there I any... Think that's, f- yeah, uh, but I, before I ask, is there any fatal mistakes you think people made in this movie? Fatal mistakes. I mean, her going up there at all, um, and mm-hmm. then... Her not leaving at the immediate, like, hey, there's weird bird stuff here. It's like, you don't have to be there, and you've already, like, connected with this guy and, like, can just ask for his phone number. Like, you no longer need to, like, be in this town. (laughs) Yeah, and there is something where it's like, oh, you feel a connection, you want to stay, you want to buy his younger sister birds, you don't want to meet his ex-girlfriends. I get that. But there is something where it's like, and I will see you back in San Francisco. Yep. I'll see yep. you there. And I completely mm-hmm. agree. Other than that, what, what can you do about the birds? I you mean, can't, you, can't, you can't control, control you can't, that. It's hundreds or thousands of birds. Like, there's just Absolutely. nothing you can do. Um, and then finally, we always like to give our movies a rating on the spooky scale. This is, of course, a scale on uh, as to whether a movie is spooky, yes. not whether or not we enjoyed it. 
you know, again, it conflicted. I love the birds. Uh, mm-hmm. Hitchcock was a piece of shit, but the, you know, this, these things right. go hand in hand. Yes. How scary did you think uh, this movie was, Allison? A spooky scale. I feel like this is like a six because it okay. is like very unsettling when it's things that are, even though like the first hour, nothing's really happening. Like it, birds that are suddenly like teaming up with each other and becoming violent and swarming people, like that's not. Even, like, when there's one person after you, you're like, I just have to kill this person. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. what do we do? Kill thousands of birds? Like, we, right. that's not even, as we said, that's not even going to stop what's happening. So, right. the, no, we and don't know, the nothing you can do. Yeah, we don't know what's six. causing it. We don't right. know how to stop it because we simply right. have no idea why they're doing this. Much right. like in The Happening. That's the only, yes. uh, the comparison yes. I want to make is, like, we don't know why it's happening. We don't know how to stop it. We simply right. will be at the whim of this natural of event. Nature. Yes. And I'm going to give it a five, you know, because I feel like a lot of the setup, it's like, it's not scary, but we're setting up, which is, I think, what, what's fun about this movie and what makes it compelling is like, in every horror movie, people are just trying to go about their normal lives and then a horror movie starts happening to them. Yes. And this movie is very much like complicated feelings, hard relationship with your mother, uh, feelings for your ex. All of a sudden, birds start attacking. And that is terrifying. Right. And yeah. the the shot of far, poor farmer Dan Fawcett with his eyes plucked out is a shocking because yeah, you haven't really seen anything like that in the movie. So when you see it, you're like, oh boy, okay. Oh, yeah, that definitely. Yeah. Anything without eyes is yeah. scary to me. So um, yeah, that's another thing. Much like deer, no mm-hmm. eyes having no a, eyes. a huge horror trope. Yes. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed this, and yes. um, as always, please rate and review. Mm-hmm. You can rate and review us, but also. Uh, uh, email us uh, at ruined at the radiopoint.com if you have thoughts on movies we've done, suggestions, recommendations, questions, just, you know, just want to chat. I mean, we're here. <laughs> we love you guys, and we pray. First of all, keep your eye out. Keep your head on a swivel if you see a bird nearby, because you never know. Yeah. Yeah, stay, stay aware of the birds. And then um, most importantly, I think More would be yeah. for you to keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Bye, guys. Bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.